Broadcasting from the Superbook Sports Studios, KTUS AM 1060, Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2, Scottsdale, Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point, featuring Kayla Mortolaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the Extra Point is good. Hour number two of Extra Point on this Monday, June 19th. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until noon today, as we typically do. Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. As always, follow along with us online at KDOS1060.com and download that KDOS1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Uh, for the rest of the month, you have to sign up and follow along with the directions for the listener rewards as there's an opportunity for you to win a $100 gift certificate courtesy of of Superbook Sports. But uh, the big news over the weekend is the Suns getting involved in the trade market. Uh, Chris Paul, Landry Shamit to the Wizards. Uh, now they're still trying to figure out whether or not Chris Paul ends up with the Wizards or if there's going to be a third team involved. Uh, but coming back to the Phoenix Suns would be one Bradley Beal. So let's reset uh, the scene with today's poll questions, and we'll start with that Suns-related question over at KDOS1060.com. Is Bradley Beal a good fit with Devin Booker and Kevin Durant in the masses? Uh have had a massive shift. So listening to us, and particularly you for the first hour here of Extra Point, may have uh, changed things up a bit. No leading the way at 58% of the vote. Yes, sitting at 42%. Yeah, well, this would be like the first time that uh, people have listened to me and you know gone along with the voting. <laughs> so see if, see if that happens. Maybe Monroe, you know, maybe Monroe kind of you know, steered him in that direction too. That's true. Uh, so, yeah. So it wasn't just me, uh, but we'll uh, we'll see what happens. And yeah, I'll have uh, you know, a predictable answer. Um, maybe not totally predictable. I'm going to kind of give a, you know, a, a you know two side of the answer when we get to the bottom of the hour. Ooh, looking forward to that. Uh, so that'll be around 1130. Me too. I got to figure out what it is. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> or just how to phrase it, right? Yeah, I'm just trying to tease people along here that maybe he's just not going to go completely off. Uh, Twitter, at KDOS AM 1060. Bob, you had a conversation with Howard Balzer in the 9 o'clock hour. Go phnx.com. And if you missed it, you can podcast it, kdos1060.com or with the KDOS 1060 app. Uh, the question here, are you okay with the new Cardinals brass stripping down the roster and starting 2023 from scratch? Yes, remains in a firm lead at 92.3%, no trailing at 7.7% of the vote. Yeah, this is going to be another answer, which is going to be you know, not surprising to people. Um, you know, I remember when you know, the the Cardinals made the uh, change at uh, general manager and head coach uh, that the uh, press conference, I don't remember the exact phrase that Michael Bidwell used, but he uh, you know, suggested that this wasn't going to happen, but it clearly has happened uh, since uh, you know Austin Fort took over and uh, – he and his uh, the other front office members have uh, you know, done certainly uh, you know, most of the veterans that you thought maybe they would bring back. There's some we knew they weren't going to bring back, but most of the guys they brought back. And then obviously DeAndre Hopkins just, just released. 
Uh, I think that uh, you know, I don't think there's any debate now that they're starting from scratch. You know, uh, we'll get into the regularly scheduled programming here, but just kind of listening to to your um, you know thoughts here, in addition to our two poll questions, got me thinking about our three major major. Uh, major programs here, whether it be the NBA, the Major League Baseball, or the NFL, and how all three of them seem to be in very different places. You have the NBA with the Suns uh, in like absolute win now mode, Cardinals in complete rebuild mode, and then when you have the Diamondbacks seeing fruits of some some young guys coming along, some other trades really being helpful here, uh, and now in kind of a bit of a decision mode about how all in do you want to go before the trade deadline and what does that mean because you're, you're leading the division right now in the NL West that's true and actually I, you, know, you know I feel better about myself because Kayla you're a smart person and I had similar thoughts so there we go um so yeah it's gonna be very it's, I'm sure gonna be some form of a you know probably multiple poll questions just worded differently between now and August the 1st at the trade deadline for the uh, for the Diamondbacks. But, uh, yeah, how much should they go in? Should they give up some of their young talent, of which they have a lot, and trying to go in? The more we watch some of the starting pitching, is that going to result in a panic before the trade deadline? Uh, you know, those are the kind of things that have to, you know, kind of be uh, the, the major question there is as far as the Diamondbacks. And then I think there's some questions that need to – be asked to try to uh, come up with your answer for the major question. Absolutely. Uh, your calls today. Uh, we can have conversation about the Suns and the trade with Bradley Beal, uh, NFL Cardinals discussion, D- Diamondbacks discussion as well, 602-260-1060. We'll do that around 11.15 today. Speaking of the Diamondbacks, they took two of three over the Guardians. Friday's game, let's start there. It was a 5-1 to one win, which included a Zach Gallen start. Seven innings pitched, six hits, one run, seven strikeouts, one home run given up uh what did you see from gallon uh increased velocity which would have been down the last couple of starts in which he wasn't you know quote zach gallon uh it was also against you know arguably maybe not even arguably uh right now well i would say they're not worse than the tigers offensive lineup is the tigers have lost some of their key players to injury but just based on season numbers that we talked about on friday before the series you know, the Guardians' offense is anemic, uh, so he should. You know, he, it would have been alarming had he not been good against them. But you know, Gallon in his previous start at Detroit was hit hard by that anemic offense, so it was good. Um, you know, he, he was complete in complete control. I mean, he had one just pre one of his previous five starts, and that's a little surprising considering during that stretch the Diamondbacks seemingly never lost. They won some of those games that he just didn't was wasn't the winning pitcher in some of those five starts. Uh, he's also just been great at Chase Field. He's eleven and one now in his last fourteen starts at Chase Field over the last two seasons. Uh, also, you know, something uh, we weren't expecting and uh, yeah, maybe the I don't know if the Guardians were expecting or not. Maybe they kind of had a hint. But uh, Tristan McKenzie being a late scratch for that game looked like that was going to be an interesting starting matchup that we mentioned on Friday's show. Well, he was a late scratch, placed on the injured list over the weekend, and there's lots of speculation 
Uh, last I saw, he's still going to undergo further testing, but there's a lot of speculation that Tristan McKenzie's headed for Tommy John surgery. Saturday's game was a 6-3 to three win. Tommy Henry starts six innings pitch, seven hits, two runs, two walks, three strikeouts, one home run. Uh, Corbin Carroll continues to impress. He launched a 426-foot bomb. Uh, the long ball obviously was working for the Diamondbacks as well in that pivotal eighth inning. Yeah, Tommy Henry, if it, you know the numbers look okay, he was awful. Uh, you know, he gave up uh, two runs. Uh, somehow allowed only two runs on seven hits, and I'll tell you how the somehow happened in the moment. Seven hits, two walks, you know, doesn't strike out many guys, only had three strikeouts. They made four exceptional defensive plays to bail out Henry, who was not good at all, quite frankly. Josh Rojas had two spectacular plays at third base. Another one from Christian Walker, not surprisingly, because he's deservingly a gold glove winner last year at first base. Jake McCarthy made a play in right field. Uh, and you know, those all saved runs. All of them saved runs. And if you, let's just say that none of those are, you know, there's no way that Henry even gets close to six innings and gives up like twice or maybe three times as many of the two runs if those plays weren't made. He was not good. Then you have Sunday's game against the Guardians here. I think we can kind of just throw this out. 12-3 to three, uh, was the loss for the Diamondbacks. But maybe the part where we can't throw it out and have to dissect it here, Zach Davies, three and two-thirds innings, nine hits, nine runs, one walk, two strikeouts. But the question remains, what do they do? I have no idea. Well, we've been talking about, you know, they don't have enough starting pitching, and we're assuming Davies would be at least a serviceable starter. He was hit hard in both starts last week. This was just really bad. And actually, you know, well, most of it was his fault. I know that, you know, Nick Ahmed's error, uh, you know, you know, surprising error to start the game on a routine play kind of uh, opened the door a little bit, but Davies got hit hard, uh, continually hit hard. And, you know, they had to leave him in there basically because you know, the bullpen's not exactly in the best shape right now. Uh, but, you know, give up some, you allow somebody to give up nine runs is kind of a difficult, uh, you know, uh, punishment. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think there's real questions of whether, Davies should actually be in a starting major league rotation, but considering the Diamondbacks have two starters, whether it's almost, I wouldn't say must win because we're still sitting here in June, but if they don't win their starts with Zach Gallon and Merrill Kelly, what are the, what's going to happen the other three times when whoever is in the rotation is actually starting? Well, the Diamondbacks, they're back at it today, hosting the Brewers. It's a 5-10 start on Bally Sports, that, Arizona. That game's at Milwaukee. Oh, I'm sorry. You're right. Um, yeah. Merrill Kelly gets the start 8-3, 3.04 ERA, 89 strikeouts. Uh, Corbin Burns, 5-4, 3.44 ERA, 83 strikeouts. Yeah, Burns is an interesting uh, you know, case. Um you know, they, you know the, the nobody's out of the race. Well, maybe I shouldn't say nobody, but uh, hardly anybody's out of the race in the NL Central. Uh, the Brewers uh, have spent plenty of time in first place. Burns had a really publicly nasty contract situation before the season started. 
He hasn't pitched at the same level during the season. Uh, his velocity has been down. He's nowhere near what he was two years ago when he won the Cy Young Award in the National League. And there is, uh, I think, growing speculation would be an accurate assessment uh, and description. Uh, growing speculation that he will be traded before the trade deadline, even though his contract's not up for a couple more years. Uh, then you also have where things currently stand when you look around the National League West. Uh, the Dodgers were swept by the Giants over the weekend. If we start on their Friday game, it was a bullpen start for uh, the Dodgers, and they lost 7-5. to five. Saturday was a, a terrible game. They lost 15 to nothing. Bobby Miller got the start. Five and two-thirds innings, seven hits, seven runs, three walks, five strikeouts, and one home run given up. And Sunday was a 7-3 to three Lost. Tony Gonsolin got the start. Five and two thirds innings, six hits, seven runs, three walks, and seven strikeouts. But when you're looking around the NL West with that sweep, the Giants have now moved into second place behind the Diamondbacks in the NL West standings. Yeah, the Dodgers uh, you know, certainly uh, their bullpen is terrible. Um, it's been it's now the worst in the National League, as we mentioned last week. Uh, the last two weeks have been just a disaster for the Dodgers. Uh, unless Clayton Kershaw is pitching and then the bullpen blows games when he starts anyway, like last week when he left with a 6-2 lead and they gave up, uh, you know, I believe it was three runs in each of the next two innings and lost the games to the White Sox. The Giants sweeping at Dodger Stadium. Uh, now I remember thinking while I was watching yesterday that this doesn't happen very often, uh, but in, uh, even more rare than I thought. Uh, they have been in California, the Giants and the Dodgers, since 1958, and this is just the you know the uh, the, the sixth time ever that the uh, Giants have swept a three-game series at Dodger Stadium in all those years. Just six times, and you know most series are three-game series, so it's not like it's a a four-game series, which you don't see very often. So this is the most frequent. You know, number of games you would play in a road trip in a series, and whether it's home or away, and it's the sixth time in, in all those years that this has actually happened. Uh, when you continue looking around the NL West here, you have the Padres taking two of three over the Rays over the weekend, and the Padres will continue an NL West battle with the Giants sending Michael Waka to the mound, 7-2, and 2.89 ERA, 69 strikeouts. Ryan Walker for the Giants, 2-0, 1.23 ERA, 15 strikeouts. I don't even know who he is. <laughs> so, okay. Um the Padres have actually won three consecutive series for the first time this season, and they're still under 500. Uh, so good that they beat Tampa. Good that they've won some series here. Uh, but they seem to sure have some serious flaws that really haven't changed that much, even when they've won these three consecutive series. Uh, they're 10 and six in the month of uh, in the month of June, so that's good. You know, they added they were under five. They were 10 and 16 in May. Uh, they won seven out of 10. So you know, you know we had uh, even the Oakland A's won seven in a row, and people were thinking that maybe they're not that bad. Uh, since they won seven in a row, they haven't won a game since that. 
We'll get into a little bit more about baseball uh, for the games taking place uh, today. And then we'll also take your calls if you'd like to join the program. 602-260-1060, 602-260-1060. Of course, the big news happening over the weekend with the Suns uh, looking like they're bringing in Bradley Beal from the Wizards, Landry Shamit, and Chris Paul out of Phoenix. Uh, we'll also get a little bit into the uh, reports from earlier in the weekend that Bradley Beal was also potentially um, there was some interest for him with the Miami Heat but now it looks like the attention might be turning now to Damian Lillard so we'll get into a little bit about that as well but your calls if you'd like to uh, state your case for whether or not you like the the Bradley Beal trade here to Phoenix 602-260-1060 is the number it is the extra point right here on KDOS AM 1060. The Dan Patrick Show, weekday mornings from 6 to 9 a.m. This is just uh, something I like to call breakfast. With big-name guests, timely sports information, and more on KTUS AM 1060. 1124 right here on KDOS AM 1060 as always online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports as promised it's phone call time 602-260-1060 and so we pop on out to the KDOS hotline Mike in Phoenix uh, what's on your mind in regards to the Bradley Beal trade? Well one thing that hasn't been mentioned is the age difference between the two players I think you'll find out Beal won't break down in the playoffs like Chris Paul did. He just breaks down in the regular season. He breaks down in the regular season? He only played 50 games this past year with two different injuries. Wow, I didn't know that. But you do have a point in terms of age difference, and I think that that's something that obviously wanting to try to get a little bit more youthful. But, yes, injury concerns for, for Bradley Beal. He's been unable to complete a, a full season uh, for the last three years, I believe, with the Wizards. Well, I'm sorry I brought that up then. Appreciate the call. Thanks very much. No problem at all. 602-260-1060 is the number, as always, to uh, join the conversation. Let's continue a little bit about the uh, NBA and uh, the Miami Heat were reportedly in on Bradley Beal, but according to Chris Haynes with Bleacher Report, Miami is now focused on Damian Lillard. Lillard, he continues to be one of those players that uh, is constantly subject for rumors for a long time, uh, but continues to stay in Portland. Uh, Lillard did, not, uh, did in fact name the Heat and the Nets as two teams he'd have interest in playing with if his time in Portland is up. He has said, though, he would like to remain in Portland but doesn't want to be a part of a rebuild uh, Tyler Hero would likely have to be part of some sort of trade if these two teams were to engage he would have to 100% be part of uh, you know the trade return because he's the only guy that they have uh, with any kind of contract that would be you know, mat- be able to match up with others there would be others involved too but you know, it's, uh, you know his contract in Miami, you know, the hero contract actually doesn't really start until this next season. And uh, that's when they extended him for, what, 120 or whatever it was. I kind of lose track. These numbers are just kind of a monopoly money to me in my brain. Uh, so, and maybe it is for the league in itself. But, uh, you know, so he'd have to be included for sure. I, I don't understand why he'd be interested in the Nets unless he just wants to, you know, you know 
basically market himself in uh, the New York City area because uh, their team looks like it's not going to be good, uh, or at least anything but above average. And I don't know how he would actually fit with the remaining talent, of which of whatever remaining talent they still have. Uh, but I do think he's a better fit in Miami than Bradley Beal is. Because um, uh, you know, he's just a better player. Than, I, think, I think Bradley Beal is an okay player and probably even an above average player. But the health thing that we just detailed, and I'm just not sure, not used to playing with a lot of good players. That's not his fault, but you know, can, can that work out? Uh, so, But I do think that you know, Lillard, uh, with the, just with Butler and Bam and whoever else is still going to be on the Miami roster, would be uh, a far better fit in Miami than Beal. Uh, you know, to that point of, of what the, uh, Mike in Phoenix was calling about, and just in terms of age, obviously, I would think that Lillard would be uh, an age-related move for Miami with Kyle Lowry uh, sitting at 37 and definitely on on the tail end, if not already at the end of his career. I was actually pleasantly surprised how you know Lowry, you know, not for consistently from game to game, but I thought he was kind of cooked. Uh, but he had some really good moments during their playoff run. He did. He kind of, you know, struggled there early on in the postseason and then found a way to kind of have some pivotal games where they they found ways to win. But then as we got like later on in the series with the with the Celtics and then in the um, uh, uh, the finals, you know, closing out games and really being counted on. Well, I don't know if he's ever in a closeout games now, but I actually thought even the Nuggets series, I thought the Heat's best moments in that series, a lot of them, if not damn near all of them, were with Lowry on the floor, and a lot of it had to do with a lot of it had to do with him pushing the pace much more than they did when other alternatives were out there. Want to go back to Major League Baseball here, and uh, not too many games on the docket for today, but some games that uh, certainly have some implications here. If you look at uh, standings and things from yesterday, the Rangers took two of three over the Blue Jays. Both of those teams are in play today, with the Blue Jays facing the Marlins. The Blue Jays are sending Jose Barrios uh, seven and four, three point two eight ERA, seventy five strikeouts to the mound against Brian Hoeing. One and one, three point one two ERA, twenty two strikeouts. I have no idea who Brian Hoeing is, uh, so you know, good luck. Uh, Barrios has been really good. I don't believe in the Toronto Blue Jays. I didn't before the season when everybody seemed to think they were World Series bound. Maybe I exaggerated it a little bit there. Some people thought they were World Series bound. I don't get it. Uh, one thing I really don't get is uh, the metrics people think they are a stellar defensive team. Apparently the metrics people don't watch any games because there are a few teams, if any, that do more dumb things defensively. They may not, they don't get charged for errors. Maybe they just, uh, you know, I don't know about the zone rating and all that crap. But uh, if I'm a pitcher, I don't have a whole lot of faith in my defense if I'm a pitcher for Toronto. Uh, the Rangers, as I mentioned, they're in action today against the White Sox. Uh, the last I saw this morning, the White Sox had yet to name a starter, but for the Rangers, it's going to be Andrew Heaney, 4-4, four and 4.05 four, 4. ERA, 70 strikeouts. I thought it was important for the Rangers. You know, they had, you know, they, they got beat in the series at, uh, against, you know, 
two weekends ago at uh, Tampa, the Showdown series, and they lost uh, they lost that series. And then they had obviously a rough time because they continually decided that we could pitch this Otani dude, and uh, he had like a hundred home runs last week, and most of those against Texas. And uh, the, so I think I thought it was important, even if uh, I don't think that much of Toronto. I do think it was important that the Rangers came back and won two out of three in that series. And yesterday, you know, John Gray, who was thought to be maybe headed for the injured list with the blister, he actually started. He gave up six runs in less than three innings uh, for the Rangers. They're down 6-0 in that game. And uh, once again, the Toronto defense a couple of times. And their bullpen blew that game, and Texas won the game and won the series. The Mets and the Astros are the last game I'll point out on today's schedule here. Max Scherzer going for New York, 5-2, 4.45 ERA, 60 strikeouts. Hunter Brown, 6-3, 3.35 ERA, 83 strikeouts. Yeah, the Astros have really hit the skids here. Maybe not surprisingly uh, for two reasons. One, uh, their offensive uh, you know, numbers and the way you pitch to the Astros is much different. And Jordan, Jordan Alvarez is not playing, and he's been out with this oblique thing, and there seems to be zero timetable, at least publicly, as when he might return. Their numbers uh, are, you know, for the most part, even though they did score a ton of runs yesterday against the Reds and still lost the game uh, down. The other thing that's happened is you know they're they've lost a lot of starting pitchers to injury, some for this season, and some are expected to come back. But you know they brought up some guys that weren't exactly household names in the prospect business, and those guys were effective early in their you know, appearances, or at least in their early appearances, you know, their first couple of starts. Those guys have also hit the wall. They've even sent a couple of guys back to the minor leagues in the last two days because they were so bad. However, Brown, who was actually on their team last year and did contribute during the playoffs, he's been really good. And I don't think there's any doubt, if you just base it on this year, that Brown has been a far better starting pitcher based on this season than Max Scherzer has been. Uh, then you have just a general overview of what's going on in the AL West with the Rays remaining on top, 51-24 and 24 for their record. The Orioles, 44-27, and 27, five games back. The Yankees, 39-33, and 33, 10 and a half games back. Blue Jays, 39-34, and 34, 11 games back. The Red Sox getting a couple of wins over the weekend, 37-35, and 35, and they're 12 and a half games back. Well, the Red Sox won because they played the Yankees, who right now are a bad team. Um, you know, obviously Aaron Judge, much like Alvarez in Houston, uh, the entire lineup has been affected by his absence. Uh, you know, Rizzo, Stanton, Donaldson have done virtually nothing uh, in the now almost two weeks, uh, a little more than a week, I guess it is, that Judge has been out. Uh, their pitching has been not good. Uh, so there's that. Uh, Really, this is a one-team regular season race as far as Tampa goes. I do think that Baltimore has improved a lot. They just got swept over the weekend at Chicago by the Cubs, however, and the Cubs weren't exactly lighting the world on fire before the last week or so. In fact, there's no team in baseball that I changed my opinion about more than the Cubs. You know, there's stretches where I think this team might be pretty good. 
And then there's like the next stretch of games where you wonder, are they going to be sellers? And there may be even a last place team on a t in a terrible division. Uh, so it's just a, the fluctuation from good to bad in my alleged brain regarding the Cubs is just kind of driving me nuts. <laughs> uh, over in the AL West, the Rangers are on top 44 and 27. Angels 41 and 33, four and a half games back. The Astros 39 and 33, five and a half games back. Mariners uh, at 500, 35 and 35, eight and a half games back. And the A's 19 and 55. Have you been surprised with the Angels hanging in there? in in second place in the division so far well we would have this would not have been a question if uh, before the last seven or eight days um that, that they were pretty much what we thought they were which is a couple of stars one of which to mike trout who's been extremely mediocre or you know replacement level at best since may the first and the fact that he can't catch up to fastballs uh really all season long is somewhat alarming. Uh, he's not that old, but you know, it is when he supposedly in his heyday had a, we supposedly had a weakness. It was often the high fastball. Now he's not even getting to any fastball for the most part. And this has been going on for you know more than a month now. So I don't know if there's a reason for concern or you know, you know no big deal, as I use often as a question. Otani has been an unbelievable offensive machine, and uh, that's an accurate statement, totally accurate by me. Uh, he's hit some opposite field home runs that are just uh, majestic and impressive and so forth. Now, his pitching, on the other hand, hasn't been terribly consistent, but you know, the fact that he's got a billion strikeouts, it seems like that's the only thing that anybody cares about. Um, you know, his, his efficiency has been way down. He's throwing a ton of pitches to get through fewer innings. Uh, but you know, I'm not that surprised that the angels are, you know, kind of okay. As far as the standings are concerned, because the Astros have been, as we mentioned, uh, really taken major, major, you know, they had, the Astros had that stretch where they won 18 out of 24 games since then they've won seemingly hardly any games. Uh, so, you know, they, they, they're declined. The one team that I'm somewhat sure about here, obviously Oakland sucks, but, you know, the other team in the division, uh, I, I think we're at the point now where Seattle's just not that good. I don't care how many good pitchers they have. Some of them are not good all the time, but their offense has been really bad, and they've been terrible against teams above 500 and not good at all in one-run games, which are you know, the, the one-run game thing is something that they were really good at the last two years. But uh, you know, the fact that you know, their bullpen has been, you know, which has a lot of good arms, but they've been a hit-or-miss proposition in some close games that they've lost. Yeah, I think that that was supposed to be something for the Mariners was, well, look at that pitching staff. If only the hitting can kind of align up with it. Hasn't, hasn't quite worked out that way. True. Also, I think we would forget that, you know, the Mariners were not very good for like, you know, at least half the season last year and just had an incredible hot streak at the end. It's poll question time. The KDOS1060.com poll question and the Twitter poll question at KDOS AM 1060. Bob and I will answer it next. It is the extra point here on KDOS AM 1060. 
Catch the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays from 1 to 3 p.m. right here on KDUS AM 1060 and online at KDUS1060.com. Right here on KDOS AM 1060 on this Monday, June 19th. It is the Extra Point. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you as we turn our attention to poll question time. And let's get things started with the KDOS1060.com poll question. In regards to the Phoenix Suns, the news over the weekend in terms of uh, making a trade for Bradley Beal. Is Bradley Beal a good fit with Devin Booker and Kevin Durant? Yes or no? Okay, I'm going to surprise everybody and say yes here. Uh, if people have heard me go off the last couple of hours, uh, they're going to think, what is he thinking? I actually think that, that could they could coexist. I mean, Beal, while he's a certainly a scorer, he's shot a high percentage. He's had a you know certainly a, a decent or better uh, assist rate than you would think, playing with a bad team around him. So those dudes, somebody had to make some shots. So that's okay, but he's not ball dominant. He doesn't have to have the ball to be effective. And I can see those three guys existing, and I, I sense some – actually, I can foresee a regular season where the Suns score a billion points, and when they get to the postseason and defense becomes more of a specialized thing from the opponent, they score fewer points. Uh, but at no point – can I really envision envision this team being any good on defense or having any bench? Uh, but as far as this part of it goes, I can see these guys coexist at least in the regular season and be successful. To your point, uh, he shot 50.6% from the floor and 36.5% from three last season, averaging 23.2 points per game. I did hear this sentiment this morning, so I'm curious because it's about fit. Uh that Bradley Beal is another really good mid-range player. And then we had talked yeah. about the statistics for him being able to get to the rim with such high efficiency. Does that at all concern you being another mid-range player on a team that maybe needs some three-point shooting? I actually think that they took way too many. That's the biggest criticism I've had over the Monty Williams era is I just thought that uh, they'd launched way too many threes because they had so many, even before Durant, had so many good mid-range options. So I've got no problem. Uh, I know that the math doesn't add up on this, but we just watched the Denver Nuggets win a championship, and they didn't shoot a high volume or percentage of three-pointers in their route to the championship and the playoffs. So maybe some of that metrics approach will change a little bit. I don't think the math will ever change, so good luck with that. But the fact that uh, we've now seen a team win a championship using a you know, more of a, I wouldn't say old-time approach, but a more conventional basketball approach, uh, you're not you're completely dependent on the three. And maybe the fact, too, that Boston, which was too dependent on the three, was not even in the finals. Maybe that will make a difference. 
That's a very good point there about Boston. They really, truly uh, embodied the live and die by the three. Um, when it comes to actually answering the question here, uh, I think that you're, you're right that these three players certainly have a lot of complementary elements to their game uh, that Bradley Beal doesn't have to have the ball to be successful. He can have the ball to be successful. He has shown that he has a very good assist to turnover ratio. Uh, we've seen what Devin Booker can do with the ball in his hands as well. Kevin Durant could maybe push some pace. So there's a lot of different ways to really see this team uh, working. Plus then Frank Vogel and staff are going to have to figure out how to stagger minutes and get your rotations all set in place. And, and there's really good scoring options here. Uh, one of the things that this is a question mark, no matter who the, the player is, because it, it's just a part of the game. And unfortunately with Beal and his uh, history, it, it brings the conversation more to the forefront is how healthy is he going to be able to stay and being healthy in the most important parts of the season when it comes to the playoffs. Offense really should not be an issue. They should be able to gel uh, and have more time to gel as well since this trade theoretically is going to be done here in the offseason as opposed to the trade and injuries that Kevin Durant had, uh, giving them just eight games before the playoffs got started. So a way to get that offense uh, gelling and ready to go. The questions, though, do remain on the defense side of the ball and the depth I'm just sitting here thinking to myself there's absolutely no way that a team front office that wants to win that wants to put together pieces to be successful that saw you know what the at least in their mind of how they want to formulate something what they saw falling short in the playoffs last year that they would go and make a trade without steps two three four and five at least on paper kind of thinking this through about how they're going to acquire some depth and and whether or not they're willing to take on uh, the luxury tax apron one to take on the luxury tax apron two. These are all things that they had to have thought about. Uh, so with that in mind, I, I'm going to wait to see what else we we end up getting from the Suns this offseason uh, before I guess I can provide a complete answer on how this is all going to come together. But at least just talent wise, player wise, offense-wise, these three guys, um, it could be a lot of fun to watch them play. I agree with that. And I'll add one other quick thing that I, sh we, I should have included when we had the caller about the, uh, you know, the injuries, that, you know, the, you know, the, the, the Chris Paul and the, you know, the, you, you know, the age uh, number and the Suns certainly goes down with Beal for Paul. Then we, he didn't know about the Beal injury history. I, I should have mentioned at that point, it's now been three out of four seasons, and Kevin Durant's not getting any younger, but Kevin Durant's had some injury issues three of the last four years also. That's true. The masses, they're on the no side of things here at 55% of the vote. Yes, sitting at 45%. This is KDOS1060.com's poll question. Let's toss this on over to Twitter at KDOSAM1060. Bob had a wrap-up conversation from OTA's minicamps. Looking forward to the offseason with Howard Balzer of GoPHNX.com for all things Arizona Cardinals. If you missed it, podcast KDOS1060.com as well as the KDOS1060 app. Here's the question. Question, are you okay with the new Cardinals brass stripping down the roster and starting 2023 from scratch? Uh, yes, I am. They had, in my viewpoint here, no choice but to do this. Uh, you're too far off in the NFC. You're too far off in the NFC West to just kind of try to keep 
piecemealing things together to make some patchwork trades, moves, etc. There were just too many positions of need that I think needed great upgrades that you had to kind of strip down. You also now have maybe a new philosophy coming in. So to get kind of that foundation set, build up from there, get some picks because you did a great job with, uh, you know, the Texans pick for for next year, uh, potentially where you're going to be at for your own pick. So there's a lot of different, I, I guess, if you're looking for the future, some potential excitement on that front, as opposed to what the product will look like this season. But I think they had no choice. This is the way they go if they want to uh, have success here soon. I agree with all of that. I think that's really well said. I'll just add one thing to all of that. Uh, excellent uh, thought process from you is that, you know, just to give people an idea, you know, most casinos uh, and books, uh, you know, open the Suns, uh, excuse me, the Cardinals, uh, Season win total for next year in a 17-game season at five and a half, and some of those sports books have dropped it to four and a half. Twitter masses—they're on the yes side of things at 92.3 percent of the vote, no trailing at 7.7 percent. This is on Twitter at KDUS AM 1060. Uh, in training camp getting underway in late July, so some time off. Kyler rehab or Kyler rehab. Kyler Murray obviously continuing his rehab process. I like the rehab. <laughs> I, no, I think that Kyler rehab is the right term. Yeah. <laughs> Just, who needs who needs a last name when you're on rehab? And he was actually here for a lot of the offseason, which is a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think uh, building. Building yourself around what the new offensive game plan is going to be. Maybe get on the the same page for what you guys see, uh, how you see defenses covering you in certain circumstances. Maybe getting on the same page for pre-snap looks, etc. There's a lot that you can do, uh, even though he's in the rehab process. But then also the team, a medical staff, trainers, kind of understanding where he's at in the progression of rehabbing is also an important tool. We wrap up this edition of Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060. Every Monday night, check out Ray Adams as he hosts the Monday Night Golf and Lifestyle Show from 6 to 7 p.m. here on KDOS AM 1060. Monday, June 19th edition of Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060 online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Go ahead and download the KDOS 1060 app, register and get yourself qualified for the chance at a $100 gift certificate uh, brought to you by courtesy of Superbook Sports. But it's that final segment of today's program. Bob, it's thank you time. Okay, as always, we thank you for listening. Special thanks to the callers, emailers, tweeters, texters, whomever, and whatever else slipped through the cracks. Also, our guest today, Cardinals discussion, Arizona Cardinals discussion with Howard Balzer from phnx.com. We went through uh, the offseason observations from Howard. He was there for whatever they were allowed to watch, which wasn't that much. Seemed like less than usual uh, previous off seasons that the Cardinals uh, media 
uh, was allowed to pay attention even during the OTAs in uh, the mini camp. Uh, but uh, we got uh, what we could out of Howard, and he was tremendous and made me think about a few things heading into training camp, which is in uh, the end of July. Sound of the day, courtesy of NBC Sports Washington, Fox, Bally Sports Arizona, NBA TV, and also WLW. We haven't said that for a long time. That's the Reds flagship station. We played a Reds highlight for the first time on this show for maybe, I don't know, not quite a decade. Maybe around a decade? A long time. Special thanks, as always, to Kayla, Corey, and Aaron. And Kayla's going to tell us what's coming up next. That's right. Up next from noon to 1 o'clock, it is Sports Map Radio Network, followed by the Doug Gottlieb Show from 1 to 3, the Rich Eisen Show from 3 to 5, the Sports Zoo with Dave Rooster-Beerstein from 5 to 6, Monday Night Golf with Ray Adams from 6 to 7, and James Out West from 7 to 8 tonight. A couple of different things happening. Uh, the Phoenix Mercury fell to the Liberty yesterday, 89 to 71. The team was once again without Brittany Griner and Diana Taurasi, both due to injuries. Sophie Cunningham led the way for the team with 27 points. But for the Liberty, uh, Brianna Stewart continues to just be Brianna Stewart and dominant. 28 points, 14 rebounds, 7 assists. The Mercury will play next at home on Wednesday. It's a 12-30 start against the Aces. You also have the NBA draft getting closer. That's Thursday, 5 p.m. on ABC and ESPN. And I saw this this morning. Chris Paul, uh, he's going around talking about his new book, uh, things from his grandfather, etc. So he was on Good Morning wow. America this morning. And they asked him when he found out about the trade and he said he found out about it when he was on the flight to new york yesterday yeah hopefully the sun's called and told him about that ahead of time that would have been the right thing to do you would think so uh in addition to that bob huggins resigned from west virginia following the (laughs) get him out of there he'll be in the hall of fame in 20 minutes and he shouldn't be but you know whatever has nothing to i don't think he should even should be in the hall of fame He got multiple programs put on probation when he was a head coach in college basketball, but they don't care about that when it comes to the Hall of Fame. And uh, the Diamondbacks, they are in Milwaukee taking on the Brewers tonight, 5, 10 p.m. start on Bally Sports Arizona with Merrill Kelly and Corbin Burns. As always, thanks for listening to Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060, online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Have yourselves a fantastic Monday. The Sports Zone with you tomorrow.